Welcome to Crafted with Cradle, a curated conversation over cocktails with Charlotte's Best. My name is Jason Jett. I'm the owner of Grindhouse Studios, and I'm Crafted with Cradle. Welcome to another edition of Crafted with Cradle. I am your host, Dr. Keith Cradle, and this is your podcast for curated conversations over cocktails with some of Charlotte Art's finest. As always, we want to thank Jason Jett for doing our theme music. You can check the boy out, jasonjettmusic.com. As always, Sweet 929, my man Chuckito, and of course, JSW Media Jam Sham is in the building. You know how we do. We always come right and correct. And here on Crafted with Creator, we're always promoting something. That, that's what we do. And if I don't talk about certain products, Jamaica will probably murder me. Um, so today we are talking about 914, hashtag 914. That is our newest summer scent. Um, the collaboration with myself and Chuck Holiday and Made. So you can head over to the website. Uh, make sure you check that out, keithcradle.com. Um, and as always, you know, we are bringing you the hottest guests here in the QC. And I have none other today than the myth, the legend, Carla Lopez. I am King Carla. Carla Aaron Lopez. According to your bio on IG, artist, mommy, educator. I like the villain part the yeah. best. Talk to us about being a villain. You're not going to give me my shit. I gave birth to a black boy in America, which both of those things mean I am the villain. Now, in comparison to the young brother outside, he would say otherwise, but to some people, I am the villain. So this is a drinking podcast. Oh, good, because so, I be drinking, because I'm trying to like get my shit together, because clearly uh, AB, who holds down the uh, light gang, they ain't paying no money. No. So what is your favorite drink? If you were at a bar right now um, and the line was backed up behind you and you had to make an order, what, would you, what, would, what is your go-to cocktail? Uh, first of all, the line don't be backed up behind me, because <laughs> I get to know the bartenders. Uh-oh. So I, everybody else gets skipped over because I choose to treat people with manners and be polite, you know, like normal, regular human things in which I get service first because I understand you're working hard yes. and you have a dr bunch of drunk motherfuckers, including myself, <laughs> demanding their alcohol. And guess what I'm not demanding from you is the alcohol is the I alcohol. wait till you get here. Okay. In which they come to me quicker. I don't know. Uh... Once upon a time, long, long ago, it was PBRs. Nice, cheap fucking beer. Yeah. Um, how, did you, how did it find you or did you find it? The PBR. I think it was a how did it find me. And to be quite honest, it's a lot of blurred memories from undergrad when I first started driving. Not for nothing. I was never like the club person. I like really weird dive bars. Those are my favorites. And I went to Atlanta and I ended up in Lenny's before it moved to a location that was near um, Edgewood. And it was a pitcher for $5. And I realized that $20 could get you a long way. Could get me a long way. And then I went to MJQ where they were selling 12 ounces for $2. Oof. So $20 at MJQ on a Friday night was lit. All the black people. <laughs> it was a great time. When I'm 
absolutely in the mood to drink something, then it goes in seasons. So in the colder months, I stick closer to whiskeys. Yes. But only um, one or two, like always neat over ice. Of course. When it comes to summers, I like to switch out my cheap-ass beers and lean into ghosts because I love sours. Okay. But I also enjoy like, um, like vanilla vodka and ginger ale. Like I'm looking for a refreshing drink in the summertime because it is hot as blazes outside. I mean, we are down south, even though we, we were talking about that as mid-Atlantic. We were talking about that on the way in about what June, July, about six o'clock out here is going to be. <laughs> 90 degrees. Yo, it's buh freaking nana. For someone who doesn't drink beer, how, how could I get into beer? If you, 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 you said something about goats. I mean, so. Yeah, so a gosa is a sour. So we have to look at the different versions of beer that are available to us with the lighter end being your ciders and then the heavier end being your lagers, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not too, too crazy about lagers. Um, I'm classic in the sense of I enjoy the depth of a red stripe in terms of a lager. Yes. I enjoy Guinness when it's paired with Yingling in terms of a lager. They're just heavy bodied. Mm -hmm. But Highland Brewing actually has my favorite lager because now it's classified as a porter. It's an oatmeal porter. Swear to God, it tastes like an oatmeal cookie. Really? That's how it tastes to me. It could be different. I understand the flavor of things, even though it might not be my favorite. So lagers, stouts, porters, when they stay with coffee and chocolate notes, I'm cool. Mm -hmm. I might not make it through an entire can, but I get it. Like, oh, okay, that's cool. I'm not gonna buy a six pack of this, but I see your vision, I'm fucking with the vision. Gotcha. Yeah. I like Pilsners a lot more lately. I prefer Miller Lite the most because, well, it's cheap, it tastes good. I wake up tomorrow feeling normal. That's always a plus. For and us drinkers out there, let me tell you something, that's when you kind of know yeah. your body chemistry, what works for you. Um, like I know for me, I can drink tequila all day. Oh, you got it, I'm good. And, and I wake up I drink refreshed. Nope, I drink tequila, I turn into a Puerto Rican. Either we fighting <laughs> or we fucking. I got a man, so we not fucking. And I'm not in the mood to fight, I'm 37. That means battery and assault. <laughs> so tell us, tell everybody where you're from. Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay, and so given that you are a Charlotte native, Yes. Um, and most people aren't quote unquote running into Charlotte natives like they used to. Yeah. Particularly those who are artists, mm -hmm. those who have helped shape the city in terms of culture mm -hmm. um, and vision. Talk to us about what the art scene looks like to you. So go back to, the be to some of what I think your beginning mm -hmm. to where we are today and, and fill in some of that context for people that are just moving here and thinking that you know, what they see has always been. Okay, so what they see has not always been. That's a fact. What people see today is honestly like what has been created within the past 10 years. That's what people see today if they think Charlotte is such an art city, in which it is not. The Charlotte of today feels a lot like Atlanta when I moved there in 2006, in which they were defining their identity and their voice within the global arts industry, which I believe is pretty freaking fair, you know? Like Atlanta was known for street art and graffiti, but not known for actual arts themselves. 
When I came back home in 2014, the research I did demonstrated that only two galleries from Charlotte actually put the money up to be featured in Basel Castle at Art Basel in Miami. Okay. That's bananas. You would think it's more, but no, literally it's only two. And guess what? The works look the same across the board. It's some white dude or some white girl doing these abstract, fluffy looking shits. All right, bet. Some dumbass motherfucker out there is wasting their money on something that's not even going to collect value historically. Right. That is a huge difference to know that fact. So I feel a few things. What I thoroughly enjoy when it comes to just arts, not in reference to Charlotte, is anything that's relative to the underground. Mainly because the underground always informs the mainstream. So when we look at culture, culture kind of just does this kind of thing right here, or like that, Im- that infinity joint, right? With the center point where the lines cross being the mainstream and the outer points being the fringe. I enjoy what's out here. It will eventually make its way to the center move back out again, become something else, and become the center again. What exists out here? That's the thing that should be highlighted because normally all of your favorite artists come from out, out here. here. They don't start in the Inside, center. Right. So, so I, I've talked to artists you know, at various occasions, numerous times. Is, is the goal to get inside? Or for, for many, is it to stay on that fringe and continue to almost, I guess, dictate what you want, what you need? To be honest, it, it's on the artist. You know, I have, I mean, at least a thousand or more years of just Western art history packed into my head. Artists that have gone straight to the mainstream is a relatively new invention of the late 20th century, since we're in the early parts, parts of the 21st century. Right. Prior to, honestly, Andy Warhol, people were just doing it for the love, but then other people were taking advantage of it. Right. Because black, white, and everybody in between, somebody always has been taken advantage of, you know? Van Gogh didn't know he was popping and never knew he was popping. It wasn't until his brother released his letters to the world and the world saw these sketchbooks that the world began to care about paintings. And then over time, Oh my God, you transcend after your death Death, to be a God of art. I don't want to die for that to happen. And to be completely honest, if all I have is Charlotte, I'm really cool. I'm really cool. I'm Southern through and through. I don't go to church as much as I used to, but a lot of them stories is still stuck in my head and worth reflecting. So how how did you get your start? When did you decide that? This is what you wanted to do. Um, so it was downtown. I, I don't know, <laughs> like, the area is one of the fucking wards because there's a um, retirement apartment building next to it. But I remember drawing a boy and a grill because I misspelled girl. And I said to my mom, I wanted to be an artist. So from that point forth, she just started putting the money down on it, art camps and all of those things. Really? My grandma sent me to science camp for some unknown reason, and they felt like I needed to go to math and science camp, and I was like, yeah, I ain't fucking with none of this shit. This was cool. I wanna go make some stuff now. We're still sitting and learning like at school, and I wanna go make stuff. And you're also a teacher? Yes. With CMS? Yes. How was that experience? Quite interesting and very revealing to uh, how the Charlotte demographic really operates, you know? Um, I take it as a moment in time to demonstrate in front of a group of students that 
there are people out there that look like you that make art. So question is, do I continue to stick to a traditional value? Do I continue to show black and brown kids dead old white dudes, dead old white women? Nah, I'm good. Let me show you this that's in your backyard though. Right. You may have passed by this person X amount of times and didn't even know that they made your favorite painting that we talked about in class. That has provided a much greater impact than anything I've tried to do before. From the second the Black Lives Matter mural went down on the ground and I took it apart and only talked about the artist, not just the mural, because I knew your teachers were gonna talk you to death about the importance of it all. Like, okay, cool, let them talk about the message. Um, So the person that did the letter K, because you like Deadpool, he liked Deadpool too. Here's what his works look like. Do you like this, yes or no? Yes, I like it. Okay, why do you like it? Because I can relate to it. That is a very powerful phrase. That creates buy-in. Now we have new individuals who are going to grow into adults that care about creativity and creative communities. And so you kind of, that's one of the questions I always ask, you know, on the podcast is about how do we market or how do we get younger folk to engage in the arts long term? I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of, you know, things happen for folk and they, you know, they kind of dabble and they'll leave it alone and they'll never come back. And if we want young folk to be inside this art community long term, Um, It sounds like you're doing those things. Why don't other people adopt those same strategies? Because they believe art has to come with these rules. Bitch, I went to fucking SCAD too, all right? If people don't know about SCAD, SCAD is seen as an Ivy League of arts Arts, institutions. Down in Savannah? No, I didn't even go to Savannah. Because I graduated from Central and Durham. So to go to Savannah was like going from one little town to the next little town. <laughs> Y'all, I'm good. I'm just trying to go where outcast from and not work a job for another couple of years. Like, I'm good on that work shit. Because I've been working since I was 14. Right. I'm literally good on that work shit right now, y'all. Yeah. By the time I turned 28, I've been working half my life already. Like, what more do you want from me? I want to do what I want to do. Right. You know? So people get in their minds that art has to be this traditional thing like you have to be quiet when you do it okay you have to go to a gallery or a museum to be accepted in it you have to uh make a lot of money in order to be able to afford it like no all of that shit is bunk most importantly you damn sure don't really have to go to art school either realistically after leaving a black college i needed that experience which okay. is why i went okay that's just being real i needed to be in a space where there were people who thought like me. A lot of them didn't look like me, but they thought like me, and that was powerful. So it was something to it. It's just, I learned there that I don't wanna be in the traditional spaces. I'm good. And so, so speaking of spaces, we're, we're in you know black market, um, which is probably, I think, one of the most creative spaces we have in Charlotte. Um, here in North End, and you know, it seems like from from our perspective that a lot of the the people on the what we consider outside of the bigger institutional spaces, so you know, the Mint, the Beckler, the mm-hmm. Gantt, it seems like spaces like this are driving the conversations more than they are. And, yes, because and so they why want is, to so, stick with what is traditional. So let's think about these things. You have a black person. All right, they say they're interested in arts and creativity. 
they craft themselves to fit into those spaces, right? You're fine, you'll be successful because you're playing into the characters that traverse those spaces only. Then there's a me. I feel uncomfortable in these spaces. I do not want to drink the wine. I do not want to eat your cheese. To be honest, if y'all had a piece of chicken, as stereotypical as that looks right now, that's what I want. Right. I want the cheap beer because I've had more fun in alternative spaces dealing with the arts. I've seen more works that influence me in terms of creatives. I've experienced the thoughts of so many different people that do not normally exist in these traditional spaces. Mm -hmm. So when I did graduate with my thesis, I only had one question when it was time to pull off that exhibition. How can I get these funky ass white folks from SCAD to show up in one of the most famous black tattoo shops in the US? How can I do that? How do I make that work? And I asked everybody, do I have to have my exhibition in a gallery? They said, no, no. you can do it using alternative space. Okay, cool. But you've classified this over here, which is still a gallery as an alternative space, but it's got a lot of white folks that don't wear deodorant in it. <laughs> and I still don't see my work in this space, right? I said, can I use my tattoo shop? Can you come down to the tattoo shop on a Tuesday even when it's slow? Because the way tattoo shops work, they're always slow Monday, Tuesday. So appointments are super important those early okay. days of the week. As the week progresses and more people go out chilling, talking and all those things, busy, busy, busy. City of Ink is one of the finest black tattoo shops in all of the U.S. Number one, Maya Bailey spent the work getting to know so many black tattoo artists in the U.S. to come up with the first documentary on just black tattoo artists and trace the history to a black woman down in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Wow. Yeah. I want my work there because there's an understanding of history in this space. There's also a command of individual identity in this space with a celebration of just being black people. Right. I want my work there. So once I got the yeah, guess what? Let's go. We about to have a party. And it was great. What was crazy was uh, they asked me, um, do you want us to shut down and not tattoo? I'm like, nah, get the money. Somebody come in and they're like, oh, we want a tattoo. Charge them for the bag. They doing the tattoo tonight because this is my reality. This is where I'm hanging out. This is where you're going to find me on Friday and Saturdays. So I want to give you a piece of me. And this is my exhibition. You know, not your average black American. So, so, so fast forward to, um, you know, bringing people to spaces that they normally wouldn't go to. Yep. You just had probably the most talked about show here. That's um, what's up, because I don't know what motherfuckers is talking oh, about trust on the me. outside. Oh, trust me, they're talking. Okay. Um, and, and I you came in with the VIP group. The talkers. Yeah. Those are the talkers. Mm -hmm. and, and this was probably, hands down, one of the most talked about um, of course, hard to get in. <laughs> I mean, if you didn't, it was, and, and talk about why it was going that's to be. They, that's their fault, not mine. I, mean, that's not, yeah. I had the ticket link posted up on my Instagram. So, so talk about 
that exhibition, mm -hmm. um, bringing people to a space. Because yep. it seems like you, it seems like you know you you've done you did that again. You you introduce folk or reintroduce folk to a place that they normally probably wouldn't go. Yeah. Um, and you did it the way you wanted to do it. Yeah. Um, every artist, every piece of art um, spoke to an experience. And, and again, I watched the group I was with, you know, I, we had, you know, white folk, black folk, a lot of, you know, older, yeah. I, I would think, um, you know, people who are probably on the boards or, you know, executive directors, but to, to one, see them silent, you know, and really taking in the work. Mm -hmm. Um, and then to want to ask questions, um, and then want to wonder why it wasn't extended, which, mm -hmm. which spoke volumes, I think, one to your vision for only three days. Um, no, my, my original vision was one day. <laughs> Good thing, okay. Todd Herman at the uh, Mint was the, like, so can we can, get so, through the weekend can at we least? Get through the, <laughs> like, so talk, right. about, talk about it, and, and talk about, again, that vision and what you set out to accomplish, which I think you did, and I hope that I kind of summed it up in my own words, but what, was your, what did you set out to accomplish? What I set out to do, honestly, was to showcase as many local artists first. Based on who I am and my connections, I knew that that was going to be a majority of black and brown artists too. How can I take what I know from its traditional, its professional, its underground, its fringe, its crazy, and create something that just celebrates the artists? Not me. All of these wonderful people I've met in the middle of a fucking pandemic, you know? Like, all of those folks you saw, you saw in the show, at some point or another, they've come across Black Market yes. in some sort of way. And I was thinking like, oh man, you are so cool. And yeah, your work is dope. What can I do? What do I want to make? And I was like, you know what? I want to pull off my own exhibition. I wanted to show everything that I've seen since I've come back home because this is home now. I'm not going to stay stuck in the past of what home did not have. Okay, yeah. In the 80s, home didn't have it. Mm -hmm. In the 90s, home didn't have it. As the 90s came into a close and went into the 2000s, home was more hip hop based than anything, but not based in just art, art right. all right? Because Fat City and Noda belonged to hip hop and just North Carolina, Charlotte hip hop all together. When Jay-Z Addicts started shooting in the early 2000s, something happened and I missed it but it happened. Mm -hmm. So how do you continue the legacy of what happened between her, God City and all them cats? Yeah. How do you continue that legacy? How many black people were turned down before I received the yes? So don't be a donkey about the shit. It's a lot of that got a lot of fucking no's for the same idea, but I got the yes. You got the yes. And I got the yes after a year of traumatic events. So no, I'm not on cloud nine. The work is still there in front of us. But I'm happy I got a yes and was able to show all of these wonderful people I've met who don't mind crossing different lines and subcultures to just collaborate on a work of art. The joy is the art. Now the conversation grows. 
what opportunities are you creating for these artists as a result of an exhibition? What are you doing? Do you know that they exist or are you going to continue to outsource? Right. This city has a problem with outsourcing because that's just something that got started literally in the early 2000s to outsource, to shut down Made in America. All right, let's revisit Made in America. But who are we talking to when we have that conversation? Because mm -hmm. if I'm still talking to a room full of old white dudes, you looking for other dudes like you. Right. You're not looking for me. You ask me about the upside down crown. You're not checking for me. Your thought process is that either I'm going to be like some sex pot or some fucking Manny. Or what was created in the 2000s, a fucking housewife. I don't cover any of those things. So I don't know who you're talking to or who you're looking for. But what I do know is that I've met a lot of really cool people here in Charlotte and y'all got the culture. It's yeah. right here. This feels like when I first got to Atlanta in comparison to the Atlanta I left okay. to come back home. There's something here. It's a lot of things that's working a little bad sackwards right now, which is much to all of y'all's chagrin. Mm. We've all got a part to play. We um, all do. So I will always be a quiet cultural disruptor. As you should be. Yes. Um, and, and, think, and, and speaking of cultural disruption, um, you brought up the Black Lives Mural um, a little earlier. Yeah. Uh, and I've, I've asked this question to everybody, including Wesley. Um, the decision for it to not be maintained. Mm -hmm. Thoughts? I mean, y'all really thought it was going to be maintained. Like, <laughs> history repeats itself again and again. I mean, my thing is, is that for the city in particular, because it would have been left upon the city to seal the street, right. and it was blocked off for quite a period of time. You had the time to seal it, if that's what you wanted. But instead, it has disintegrated in this very beautiful metaphoric way of how black lives have always been treated. You chose to do that. So now we're in this very precarious situation in terms of arts funding <laughs> in which the control well, yeah. may be moved yes. to foundation for the Carolinas, oh, yes. right? Yeah. I'm not nervous but I do have an expectation. And if the foundations prove my personal expectations right, then we're right back at the beginning as always. So what are we talking about? What do you want, City of Charlotte? Because there's more than one way to skin a goat. And baby, you just keep skinning the same damn dead ass goat. <laughs> and, and so you've been a part of you know, some of those conversations you want WFAE, mm -hmm. um, and, and, we're, and we kind of know, um, we already know the city's going to vote unanimously. Yeah, they're totally they're going to move it. Um, no matter how many yeah. times in art history it has been, yeah. it has been demonstrated yeah. that this, this is, is a happening. Bad idea. Yeah, this is happening. Um, and, and so you're talking about two, probably, you know, one organization, the ASC, and then this newly created whatever they're going to call it. Yeah. Um, with a art czar who's going to oversee, you know, whatever that pot of money is. Mm -hmm. um, 
I, I listened to the Board of County Commissioners meeting today um, and Krista, who was named finally the president of the ASE, no more acting or interim. Yeah. Um, you know, their conversation is now what is the county going to do? And if the county decides, you know, a year from now, two years from now, they, they want to go in a similar direction. Um, Bad. <laughs> Right. Let me say it. Yeah, it, yeah. It, I, I think it's going to be all the way bad, all the way around. Um, so how and why? Why do you believe that artists have not been traditionally a part of those conversations? Because they don't have enough money, let alone the language to hold down in a space like that. It's not that they cannot speak for themselves. Is that do you have that language to communicate with that person? You can speak for yourself. You can speak for your work. You can speak for the importance. But driving that language home to that particular character may require their language and not yours. Mm -hmm. That's powerful. That's my superpower. I prefer to speak in relaxed, informal all the time. I prefer slang all the time. But because I'm seen as eccentric and eclectic, oh, uh, let me translate, translate this to standard English so you can get a fucking clue. Let me say it the way you need to hear it. Because clearly, there are so many people that have said that same phrase to me. Let me say it the way you need to hear it so you can understand me. Well, right. bitch, let me throw that back at your ass, okay? <laughs> it's like this. You have a larger arts community in Charlotte yes. today than 20 fucking years ago, which would be 2001. And is that, are we, are we talking artists or are we talking about everybody, people, patrons, artists, institutions? We're talking about the, ho across the whole the ecosystem. Board. Across the board. Okay. Across the board. It's here. It's bubbling. But you're, you're shooting yourself in the foot, kind of, sort of. So who do I want to go to bed with as an artist? Do I got to get to know a new devil or can I just go to bed with the old devil? Because no. that devil I know it, I already know that one. Right. I'm good. So so with these decisions coming, um, what what are artists thinking? Particularly, I mean, what are you thinking? And because and, we we recognize funding is important. Yes, it is. Um, no one wants to be the starving, dead, finally making money artist. Nobody wants that. Yeah. How, why, why do I want to make money after I'm dead? Right. Like. Like, how does that make sense? Somebody please tell me how that shit makes sense. It doesn't. All right. So it's the same as how, how I felt before. All the other artists feel the same that they that I feel. I have an expectation that things will be the same. You're just moving hats. And I think that's to what, be honest yeah. with ASC drop an apology. OK, cool. Thank you. Awesome. Now I feel more willing to share about what ASC could do and pass that information along to other artists of color. Well, baby, you gotta try. Yes. You gotta try. Worst you can get is a no, try again. Try again. But now I don't know who I'm dealing with. Right, I mean, that's, go that's gonna be a very, um, I think, um, one of wh whoever that person is, um, and then they're talking about a committee of folk. Um, yeah, I don't trust that shit either. Yeah, that's going to be, I think, probably one of the most talked about decisions, you know, for the arts, you know, in the next couple of months, all the way up until the bottom of the year, let's 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 move on to where. Um, so you got folk at the Mint, mm -hmm. amazing exhibit, and now 
I'm talking about going to Elder Gallery real soon. Yeah. So you, you got, listen, you are all moving in spaces that people, again, don't see as a place that would do this particular kind of show. Yeah. How? How? Yeah. Uh, time and time. Like, it was just time, you know? Uh, what I appreciate most about Sonia, who owns Elder Gallery, mm -hmm. is that she is coming from the outside in. So she was thinking, you know, this would be very interesting to take on a venture like this and own this space and maybe she can do cool stuff, right? Guess what she got hit with? The same traditional isms where she was like, this is what I didn't, didn't want, want to do, right. <laughs> you know? So here's this space that they have their own patrons. They're used to a certain style and she wants to do things that challenges their notions. The only way you can do that is if you open up that space and allow people in that work with challenging norms, notions, content, so on and so forth. And I really appreciate that. Um, originally, I told her like, yo, I don't fuck with galleries. Like, you know, my experience with them is completely ruined. And the only reason why I'm here is to look out for everybody else to make sure everybody don't get fucking got. Right. Cause that's why I don't fuck with y'all. Like, I don't fuck with y'all taking 50%. <laughs> I made the work. You just here selling it. Tell me that you taking 50 to keep the lights on. But that's not the case. Mm -hmm. The case is eventually Charlotte has to start somewhere. So when we look at the entire history of a place, a location, going beyond Elder and looking at Charlotte, who would be willing to take on risky ventures? Yes. And not receive necessarily loss on their end, but a risky venture that's big enough to make an impact across an entire city. So with Off the Plantation, it's essentially its own version of a pop-up because both installations are short runs. This next one is gonna be a longer run. I don't mind inviting people into my space. I don't mind people coming into my space. What I found so revealing from the first installation was that uh, People got really upset in asking my permission to come into my space. So, hold up, hold up, hold up. You got a problem asking me if you can come over here. Let's revisit this. Let's start from the top. Let me repeat that. You have a problem with me asking you to ask my permission to come into my fucking space. <laughs> You need to confront that on your own accord. Right. Because all I said was fucking no. But you got a problem. So you feel like you can just walk up on an artist and touch the fuck out of their ass. You feel like you can walk all over whatever the hell they doing to go see the work that's hanging on the wall. That's how you feel. It's a lot of bitches out here that feel like that. Because what I found in a short amount of time is that a bitch was always crying. You crying because you had to ask my permission to come over here. Right. And it just hit you. You ain't want to do that? Damn. Think about all the black women where the same bullshit has happened. Now think about how you acted. But wanted to say she was tripping. Right. Bitch said no the first time. You just didn't like the way it came out of mm. mouth. Might have came with an attitude. Fuck it. All right, bitch. Got you. I'm out. <laughs>
So, so how I get, and I hate the word normalize, but you know, art has always been provocative, risque. Um, it has been historically, but that doesn't mean that the person has been exposed to that. Gotcha. Yes. And, and so, because when I see it, or particularly, you know, the exhibitions that you that we talk about, you're getting ready to do at Elder, mm -hmm. um, the one at the Mint. Again, those had huge messages, whether you know, overtly underlining. Um, it was all there, and for me, it felt. I'm going to say normal, or it just felt as though like that's what should be happening. Art yes. should be driving these conversations. Yes. Why again? So why do people feel like that's still risky? Why do people feel that that's risky? They're involved now. There is no more silence. They don't have the freedom to move the way they want to move. I've restricted your freedom. I'm almost taking something away from you. That alone is risky. What are you willing to give up to come over here into my space? For some folk, it's language, because um, it's a field day from 12 to 5, and I've already informed all of these ladies that if you don't want them folk in your space, you say no. They got a problem with it? Come find me. I ain't got, a pro I ain't got shit to lose. I'm right. devoted to teaching as much as I am devoted to art. I ain't got shit to lose. I just ain't going to jail for your ass. Why is that a problem, to be completely honest? Why can't you unpack? Why do you feel like you have to have all of these airs and notions about you before traversing, before coming into the space? Because that's my second time saying that word. I need to double check if I really know what, that. What, traverse? Definition. Yeah, to traverse, because I think to travel. And, but if we said it the French way, it's actually to work. Um, but like, why, why are all of these things a problem? Right. But how is that risky? It's not like skin is being shown. How is any amount of what I do on a normal day-to-day -day basis considered risque? Because what I do on a normal day-to-day -day basis is not really risque, it's actually very mundane. I go to work, I come here, I answer all the emails that I couldn't answer at school because I have kids on top of my head. I crack jokes. Sometimes food magically appears. Of course, people are always coming through. Right. It sounds exciting to some, but it's mundane because it's the everyday. Everyday. Eight o'clock, go home. Start again tomorrow. There's nothing risque. What makes it risque is that a lot of people use culture as a way to feel like um, either they can't be there you know, or uh, that whack-ass notion or like that pseudo-intellectual, like, oh, this is what they're doing right now. And we should just watch and observe from the outside. Right. No, you look goofy. Get your ass <laughs> up in there. Like, say hello. Like, it's cool. I don't, I don't understand why you feel this way because I'm going to tell you, I'm going to go to any space I want to go into. And have a good time. I'm going to have ripped jeans. If you think I'm too fat for this crop top, fuck you. It's hot in the bitch outside. And to be honest, we live in North Carolina. I could wear a crop top 365. You could. You're not going to shame my body. You're not going to shame my language. But what is risque about you asking my permission to come into my space? That's powerful for a woman. That's powerful for the artist. So how do we get the, the, more of the bigger institutions 
to put on shows like this or at the same time recognize more local artists. I mean, that, that is essentially, you know, what you've done. You have exposed local artists to our community who people probably may or may not have known, who need to be looked at, who need to be seen. It's almost like, you know, musicians talk about local radios and play local music. Yeah. Um, how do we get these institutions to understand and believe and help drive that the local artist and, and it's not so much local, you just live here, yeah. but you're here and you're doing amazing work and they need to be showcased. And you don't have to outsource this shit to someone Real, else. Realistically, you want to know the truth? Depends on who's inside the institution. That's the other part of the conversation. You about as old as my ass. Remember a different world. I'm older than you. You remember a different world though, right? I do. All right, you remember Freddie? Yep. Who was Freddie in the first several seasons? Uh, I know she was in love with Dwayne. No, 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 no. That's Whitney. No, Freddie. Freddie didn't like Dwayne at first. Oh shit, I don't remember that because I just always remember Whitney and Dwayne. But she was yeah. a hippie bitch, right? She was a hippie, right? Right. What happened to her in the later seasons before? Uh, she went to law. Did she go to law school? Yeah. What did she do? Changed her hair. And clothes yeah. and language. And she felt that her biggest thing, especially when they reintroduced her, was. As much as I've been fighting the institution, I need to be inside the institution. That was Cree Summer's gift, knowing that a different world was coming to a close. Gotcha. That was her gift, because she honestly looks and operates like Freddie. Right. You know what I mean? But to make that bold change, so the question is, who is inside the institution? Because that's another conversation for another day. So an artist can fuel all of these things, but an artist has one job. Be creative, produce the work, sell the work, live. Now, when we look at the wide scale of things, it's not just the artist. It's who's handling the monies. It's who's inside of the institutions that are willing. See, you got to start somewhere. Even right. if that start isn't, you know, full-blown circus the way you want it, over-the-top production-type shit. You gotta start somewhere. I believe that. When I held that thesis exhibition inside of a small-ass tattoo shop, there were no celebrity clients pulling up. But because of the artful conversations I was having with the owners, guess what happened? Celebrity clients started pulling up. So when you're able to change who's inside or influence or someone who has experienced many things and thinks things could work the way we see it on different levels, that may work to your advantage over a disadvantage. Same goes with donors. Because it seems from, from a patron's perspective for myself, and I'm also on the board you know, of institutions, it seems like the tail's always wagging the dog around here. And it, it shouldn't be that way. It, it should be the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. um, you, again, as you, as you put it, you all are doing the work, fueling the work, you mm -hmm. need to sell the work, um, and people need to be appreciative of the work that you're doing. Well, my question is, who's willing to take that risk themselves? Right. I could think of four names off the top of my dome who are willing to take that risk on a simple three-day show. And, and that, you know, and, and without having, you know, that sucks. Nah, that's a great beginning. Because I knew nobody before and I had been home for eight fucking years. Okay. So, so what we're saying is there, 
a change is coming, it, it's, it's, you Don't shoot yourself in the foot. There you go. Don't shoot, just please don't shoot yourself. It's here. You have all the components. It's here. Do you they're ever about to shoot themselves in the foot? Do you think that um, that there would be, you know, like the housing market, a bubble burst for art? Is everyone trying to do art the same way, or is there now? I mean, murals are going up everywhere. Is that a great thing? Um, I just love the fact that murals are just a part of people's conversations. It's like, oh, thank you, Charlotte, for catching up too. And so now, so is that? I mean, because now they're now everybody wants one. I mean, before you know, it was almost frowned right, upon. Cool. You're gonna work with the same three to five people every goddamn time. That's what it felt like. Yes, and that's what it's looking like. Kudos to you. <laughs> I would go crazy. <laughs> There's a lot of motherfuckers out here that can do some shit. Let's go holler at them. Meet them on their territory. territory. Be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Because you might make something real cool. How, do, how can the community support what you're doing? Funding is super awesome. Showing up in greater numbers is even better. Uh, understanding that every move I make, honestly, is not for me. It's to decimate the playing field for my child. So when he finally realizes that he's a goddamn artist too, hey baby, I burned the whole globe for you just so you can have a space to be you. So talk about um, what you got coming up in the next three to six months. Jesus Christ. God bless us all. All right. So we got off the plantation in May. Yep. It takes a village at Mint Randolph in June. September and October look insane because I am going to apply for Talking Walls to create another piece for Charlotte Shout. And then there's Talking Walls in October. Right. I'm ready for you to ask me that question. Which one? None. Just as commander in chief of Talking Walls, I really feel like I got to make some shit happen. And we'll talk about that. Mm -hmm. I got you. Okay. I'm there. Um, one of the questions I always ask folk is, you know, what would you tell 16 year old Carla? What would I tell 16 year old Carla? Damn, what was I doing at 16? <laughs> that was 21 years ago. Damn, that's a whole live adult 21 years ago. Let's see, 16. Oh, I remember 16. I remember 16. Bitch, you don't need that fucking job. You really need to go home and keep practicing on what you're doing. You don't need to be at fucking work. That's what I would tell 16-year-old me. Like, you say you want to be a creative, and whatever the fuck creativity I was thinking about at that time, I needed to be at the house practicing that shit instead of working full-blown part-time hours during the week and going to school at North Mech every day. Saturdays were devoted to practicing a violin for eight hours a day. If I was not working, Sunday was church and sleep. And then finishing up whatever project because I graduated when I was 17. That's what I would say. I would say, relax. That's what I would say. Any, any tips for folk who want to continue to do art, who are looking for something to, um, to latch on to, to keep going? To challenge yourself to fail up instead of getting your heart broke over a mistake. Mistakes is gonna happen, that's cool, all 
mistake? Was it a happy mistake? In Bob Ross words, you know? Yeah, are you challenging yourself? Or <laughs> what drives me insane about a lot of commercial artists, can you make me a different picture? You're a commercial artist. You make the same fucking Thanks. picture again and again and again. How does that not drive you insane? Because I enjoy my insanity. I don't know about everybody else. Tell everybody where they can find you on, on social, um, website. Simple. I am King Carla. Don't disrespect me. Don't forget to add the I am. What are the two most powerful words God gave you? I am. I am. I was going to say no. Ooh. I like saying no. All right. Sometimes. We'll have a ball with that because <laughs> I am King Carla. <laughs> so thank you so much um, for this conversation, for coming on. Um, we are looking forward to all the shows that are coming. Um, and we're going to continue to broadcast and we're going to promote those shows as well to make sure people come out. I'm going to do my best to tell folk to make sure to support you to come out. Um, I love what you're doing. Thank you. And, and so keep going, keep pushing. I know you, I don't even have to say that, but from me to you, please just keep going, keep nah. changing, you know, I'm changing the parameter, moving the needle. You know, making people uncomfortable. Look, baby, I had to walk around the world to find the right tribe. Make people uncomfortable. And the right group of folks started up the right studio for me to find a tribe I could actually go sit with. Shout out to Wesley, um, Black Market. Will. And Will. I mean, you guys, this is this is amazing fucking space. I, I love it here. Um, I love giving you my money. I see some stuff I always <laughs> go out of here. <laughs> like, God damn it. That's real. Um, <laughs> That's real. But, but this is, you know, this is one of those spaces that I think everybody who walks in feels comfortable. They, they feel the love and, um, and, and whether that's intentional, unintentional, however it, it came about, it is organic. And, and so thank you all for doing this, for being this, um, for this community. Um, and so make sure you check us out, you know, every month here, new episodes, Crafted with Cradle um, on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. You can always watch the podcast, um, the simulcast on Scoop929.tv. Um, so for all of our guests, all of our audience, um, we want to say thank you. And this is our moment. We always cheers. Cheers, baby. Cheers. Hey, to the Make sure to check out Crafted with Cradle on all streaming podcast platforms and on Suite929.tv. And make sure that you're following us on Instagram at Crafted with Cradle.